This week's episode of Two Tools covers the top five World Baseball Classic rosters, the top 10 at the first base, second base, third base, and shortstop positions, and who's this year's dark horse for the American League MVP. Find out now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Wednesday night. February 15th. Alex, it is the first week. Pitchers and catchers and also position players have been arriving to their spring training sites and their locations. I I, I can't tell you baseball is all around the corner. We haven't really talked football in a while, Alex. The, the Chiefs just won their second Super Bowl in the last, what, four years? They uh, are, are, are they a dynasty now, Alex? I people have different opinions on like what constitutes a dynasty. I'm very liberal with it. I think if you are dominant for half a decade, that's a dynasty, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I know Bill Simmons, like one of the most uh, well-known sports podcasts. He says there's only been like, like he says the Golden State Warriors, like this era, aren't even a dynasty because they had like they missed the playoffs one of those years in mm-hmm. the middle of it all when like Clay and Draymond and yeah. stuff were all hurt and stuff. It's just like. I mean, for me, if you are winning multiple championships and have like several finals appearances and have a decade span, you're a dynasty. Yeah, I think Chiefs are easily easily a dynasty, for my opinion. Um, but you know, if, yeah. if you think the only dynasty ever is like '80s Lakers and '60s Celtics, then I guess then that, that's your own opinion. But. Yeah, good point. Good point. I'm with you too. I, I I definitely agree that the Chiefs are a dynasty. I mean, what Mahomes has been to five straight AFC championships. I mean, basically controlling the AFC, but I guess enough of the football talk, but congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. I know they were the massive, massive underdogs, Alex. Travis Kelsey. According to Travis Kelsey, yeah, no one believed in them, even though uh, they were they were what second or third best odds in Vegas during the uh, during the preseason. So it's um, more money in my pocket, by the way. No, <laughs> I, Travis Kelsey said no one believes in him except for I did pick them preseason. So you know, I'm, I got your back, Travis. That's Don't right. worry. That's right. And so congrats to the Chiefs. That was an epic game. Um, Great, great season to see, but it's now baseball time. It's uh, oh yeah, season is underway. Um, activities have started, but we'll start out first with this episode. So, of course, we've been going over the top ten positions. Last episode was pitchers, catchers, and relief pitchers. Um, this episode will be all focused in the infield. We'll go first base, second base, third base, and shortstop. The top ten at those positions. We'll do a little free agency talk to start off the episode. There was a signing that happened, and me and Alex will now be ranking this episode. We'll do our top five World Baseball Classic rosters. So the rosters were just unveiled about three or five days ago. Sometime last week, they were um, released, finalized. I know some pitchers are injured. Some guys actually um, took their name out of the hat and wanted to focus solely on spring training and their ball club. So can definitely respect that, but we'll cover what we think is our top five rosters or top five teams so far um, before this World Baseball Classic kicks off in honestly less than a month. I know I think USA plays on either March 11th or March 12th, so 
Um, it, it'll be here in no time. It, it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. But Alex, some free agency news. Um, probably the biggest news that has happened since the last recording. Michael Waka has finally found a home. He is going to the team that just keeps on adding the San Diego Padres. I believe it was a four year deal. I'm not too sure on the, um, on the dollar amount, but it's um there's there's unique uh, stipulations. I know there's like player options and club options in there. I I saw a funny tweet and it was like we all heard there was an agreement, but then it took it took like 24 hours before we found out the details. It's because the details are so complicated on the deal. Okay. It's like yeah, I'm not sure the exact number either, but I think it's I, I want to say it was like 24 million yes, for four I heard that. years. I saw that same figure. But yep. then it it, it all kind of depends on um you know there's there's team options and club options in case he does really well or poorly um there's some flexibility for both sides but um it's just like you said it's just an additional depth piece for a team that knows they want to compete they're ready to compete um i think that it's you know it's a good addition i I am a bit surprised that it can get up to four years i'd be pretty surprised if he is a well above average pitcher for the next four straight years so we'll kind of see how that goes but i will say this um you know another team just got news that one of their uh, back-end starters uh, is going to need surgery, probably. I'm talking about Frankie Montas and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I saw some tweets saying, like, I bet the Yankees wish they got this news a couple days earlier so they could have made a bid for Waka, you know. It's just kind of funny how the cookie crumbles sometimes where right when Waka is off the board, a team loses a pitcher. So it just kind of goes to show you can never have too much depth. It's always good to add these kind of pieces, even late in the off season when spring training starting up, you can still make the team better. And uh, I think the Padres are doing that with this move. Very, very good point on that, Alex, because I, I know there are some starting pitchers that I think just wait it out and they wait till spring training because you always hear about pitchers in the first or second week of spring training something happens, you know, sometimes pitchers need to be put on a, you know, four week um, break time where they are just resting up. Maybe they just got into the activities too early or too quickly. And then a team needs a starting pitcher or some guys just get shut down in the first couple of weeks and teams then have to scramble really quickly to see, okay, who is available via free agents market, who is available maybe in a trade um, you know, we just spent a whole off season analyzing how we want to see our team play out. Now we need to go back to the drawing board with some guy being, um, you know, out for, you know, maybe six months, maybe the whole entire season. But good point with that. Frankie Montas will miss a good chunk of this season. I think Aaron Boone even said best case scenario. He'd be back late this season. Probably September would be the best case scenario or August. But um it- I, I don't even think he'd be on the postseason roster if they make the postseason. He comes back the last couple of weeks of September because maybe he just needs so much more time to get ramped up. So who knows? And then also uh, the Rangers found out that, you know, DeGrom, I don't think it's an injury. It's just a either a bit of rust or some tension Discomfort, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of goes to show like right as you begin ramping things up again after the offseason, even if you had a healthy rested off season, things can just ramp up poorly, could cause some delay or some concern, you know. It's not like, you know, DeGrom's season's over. Obviously, he could still be perfectly fine all regular season, but it just goes to show that extra depth um, can really be the key sometimes for some teams. So yeah. Yeah. Um, th- that was all the offseason news, I think, so far um, on the MLB front of things. So, uh, Travis, we have a little exercise set up. We wanted to break down, or I guess kind of announce our top five 
what we think are the best rosters, the best five countries that are going to be competing in the World Baseball Classic. Um, so I think overall, the purpose of this exercise is just to kind of drum up some hype for the World Baseball Classic, because like you said, it is coming up quicker than people think. I think it's like, honestly, like 20 days away or something. Yeah, three 20. weeks, three weeks. And so with that in mind, I, I think that um, it's going to be important to kind of figure out where these teams stand right now, right? Because I think we all had this idea of where these teams stand, you know? Um, but then, like you said, some guys have opted out. Some guys have been hurt or wanted just to stay with their regular team for a regular spring. So yep. um, I think it's made a lot of... Uh, it's made the thing a lot more interesting and the rosters are kind of more fun to compare this way. So we'll get into that right now, Travis, who should go first <laughs> and should we go like one by one or should we just drop our whole five? Or you how? know, I, let's, let's drop the whole five. Okay. Um, I think that way we can just get it over with and talk about maybe some surprises on certain rosters or just, you know, cool things we see, but I, I can start it off with, uh, with the top five and I'll go through number, I'll go, I'll start with number one first. Um, so my number one roster, Alex, this is combining position players and pitchers for the yes. country. My number one roster is going to be the Dominican Republic. Um, they have a easily a top two offense. You look at some of these names. Um, it, it's just incredible. Teoscar Hernandez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Wander Franco, Devers. I mean, the list goes on and Juan on. Soto, Juan Julio, Soto, Machado, it's Jerry crazy. Pena, Julio Rodriguez. It's just, it's so, so good. But also the pitchers, very good pitchers in this class or in this World Baseball Classic for the DR. Sandy Alcantara, who just won the NL Cy Young. You have um, Christian Javier, who was a World Series postseason, you know, hero for the Astros. Really, really good October. You have really electric stuff out of the bullpen. You got Camilio Doval. You got... Hector Nourish, you got Rafael Montero. It's kind of funny. You almost have an you have a Houston Astros yeah, Brian bullpen. Yeah, Brian Abreu, yeah. <laughs> so you have an electric bullpen. Um, Genesis Cabrera, I think that's how you say his name. I think he is a young, talented guy out of the Miami Marlins organization. And then, of course, just a couple other guys to name. Um, Ronsi Contreras, I think he's out of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. You also got guys like Gregory Soto. You got Carlos Estevez, who is actually on the Angels this year, and then um, one name that's actually surprising that still still chugging along, but Johnny Cueto will also be on the roster for the pitchers for the Dominican Republic. But I'll start with that. They're in my number one roster. Number two, Alex, I have the United States of America. Basically, the position players, I would go toe to toe. I still think they have possibly one of the best lineups out of the um, out of all the starters. I just see. An outfield with Betts and Trout. I have an infield with Goldschmidt, infield with Trey Turner, and also got Nolan Arenado, Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson. It's just littered with great, great talent. And then also um, JT Real Muto and Will Smith, two of our top three catchers in last three, last week's rankings. Um, if Adley was on this, we'd have all three of the catching. They'd have the catching market. But um, the one thing I, the reason I don't have them number one is just the pitchers. I, I don't see the pitchers edging out the Dominican Republic's pitchers. They have a really electric bullpen. Devin Williams, Ryan Presley, Daniel Bard, David Bednard, um, Kendall Graveman, but Clayton Kershaw, Lance Lynn, Nestor Cortez, and even, uh, you know, Brady Singer, Adam Wainwright. I don't... Michaelis, yeah. I, I don't see it being as strong as the Dominican Republic's, and I think most people would agree with that, but they're my number two roster. Number three, I have Venezuela. Venezuela is exciting. They have a very heavy, good top of the position players like Ronald Acuna Jr., 
Jose Altuve, Luis Arias, still old man, but Miguel Cabrera, Andres Jimenez, and uh, and a couple other names, Omar Navarez. They have some other guys that aren't too, too high up there when it comes to like good productivity, like Glaber, um, Santander, Luis Renjifo, Miguel Rojas, but still a very good balanced lineup. And then the pitchers, some very good pitchers for them. Ranger Suarez, Eduardo Rodriguez, a lot of good relievers as well. Um, but they are my number three team for the top five. Number four, I have Japan. Um, and I'll tell you this, Alex, I probably can name four guys on Japan's roster, but I just know they're going to have a good team just because those Japanese leagues are littered with talent. Shohei Otani will be a position player. Shohei Otani will be a pitcher. It's going to be so fun. Also, Yu Darvish will be a starting pitcher for Team Japan. I have them number four. Number five, I have Puerto Rico. Um, Puerto Rico, you know, they, I don't know. I, they, they have some B and C plus position players, not not a ton of talent. Still some good contributors, but we'll see exactly what happens with Puerto Rico. And then the pitchers, they have some good, you know, two, three starters in the rotation for Major League Baseball standards. And then, of course, Edwin Diaz will be the closer for Puerto Rico. So that's electric out of the bullpen. Um, they sit there at number five just because the four teams before them, I just feel like they have so many more strengths in so many other positions than Puerto Rico. But that's my top five. Puerto Rico being five, Japan being four. Venezuela being three, USA two, and Dominican Republic being number one. Alex, give me who you got for your top five for World Baseball Classic. Yeah, so lots of similarities. Lots of similarities overall. Not the exact same. We start out the same. Uh, I do think the Dominican Republic is the best team. Uh, I I used to think, Travis, that they were the best team by far. Yeah. I thought it was like leaps and bounds ahead of USA, who I also have second like you. Yep. But... Um, there's a couple things that they uh, missed out on. I know that they lost um, some pitching. I believe guys like Freddie Peralta, Luis Castillo have opted out amongst other names. So I think that they they already might have the pitching edge, but it was going to be even more significant. It was going to be like, Definitely. oh, you have like four aces to take you through these these uh, group stages and the, the bracket play. So I really thought that that was like this huge edge that like they might just be able to throw no hitters up there against yeah. some of these other countries. Yep. But um, their pitching is still strong, like you mentioned. Um, I think Christian Javier is a, a really good uh, a name. I think he's really uh, going to be valuable for them. You mentioned some of the bullpen pieces are really impressive. Brian Abreu had a great playoffs. Ronzi Contreras has a chance to, I think, show what he's got. Like you said, he's been good with the Pirates. Um, a lot of hype around him, I think. And then some other good, but yeah, depth bullpen pieces like Soto, like Neris, Montero, the list goes on, so... There's so much talent there. And the position players, like if I try to say who's the worst position player on this list besides like Cano and Cruz who are pretty much there for veteran leadership, like, I mean, I don't even know who I would say. It's like Gene Segura and Willie Adamas are still like these very solid players. Like yeah. Gary very, Sanchez. There's yeah. like there's like no weaknesses almost on this team, I feel like. But um, if I go to my second pick, USA, um, I think the USA is a really talented roster. I'm really glad that they were able to recruit some of the top tier players of MLB and get them to represent the country so we can uh, have a bit more excitement around this World Baseball Classic because it's never as fun when it's just like, I think it, like they used to almost send like minor leaguers, like, you know, yeah. in some of the early years of the Baseball Classic. But I'm glad that it's a, you know, it's going to be a legit competition. They can certainly win it all. Um, it'd be so fun to see, you know, either Trout or Betts or someone to really kind of take over the tournament and just light it up. So 
USA for sure. I, I agree with what you said. The pitching is a little bit leave something to be desired, but it's still MLB caliber pitching all the way through, which is something that many other nations do not have that luxury, but just the Dominicans definitely do, which is why they edge out USA. Mm -hmm. My third team, Travis, is our first difference. I actually go straight to Japan, who you had fourth. Um, Like you said, I don't feel comfortable talking about a majority of these guys. There's a ton of guys who um, I just feel like uh, I'm no expert on, you know, the, the Japanese league, but, um, there's a handful of guys who I, I do feel very comfortable saying like this guy, like watch out. And obviously Otani is like the, it's the easy MVP choice for their team, but also Darvish Travis is someone who I really trust in, especially in big games. I could see him doing well against team USA. If he needed to, he's faced all those guys a bunch of times. Um, I think he's a super intelligent, like intellectual pitcher. He's uh, very cerebral, um, throws many pitches. So I think he can make a good game plan against some of the really more skilled teams. Um, I also want to note this player uh, by the name of Munataka Murakami. That could be butchering that, but it looks like he plays corner infield. But he, if I'm not mistaken, either set a record or he approached some sort of record. He had the most home runs, I think, in the Japanese league last year, if I'm not mistaken. He had 56 home runs last year, Travis, 39 the year before, 28 and 36 the years before that. So this is someone, and he's only 22? He's only He just turned 23 uh, two wow. weeks ago. Wow. So we're talking about a young position player who absolutely crushes the ball. He had a 1.168 OPS last season in the Japanese league. So here's a guy, Travis, who I expect to be batting like third or fourth. He can probably hit well off Team USA, you yeah. know. this. Yeah. I think Japan is a team that they're not in the top two, right? We agree on the top two, but yes. I think they could take down a top two team. They could take oh. down... Uh, Dominican Republic or yes. USA for sure because they just have like this sneaky upside talent and the USA does not really have the scouting report on some of these guys you know Very I true. don't expect the USA you know coaching staff to be doing in, you know incredible amounts of research on on uh, which guys who are sneaky good and, and then of course and I will say I think our entire lives Alex we've always seen Japan make it to the final four or the championship game you know it, it, it they are just a baseball factory country yeah and they they really um i was speaking with my i had a former roommate who's from japan and he follows baseball he loves otani and all this but he knows a lot more about the japanese league he lives in tokyo and he's telling me that i was telling him you know team usa they're actually bringing a lot of their really good players this year but it still feels like almost all of those guys right travis like they want to win this but if you could choose a World Series or this, like they would all choose the World Series, of right? Course, like, of course, like yeah. it feels like the M- in the MLB there's like bigger fish to bigger fish to fry. That's why you see players opting out sometimes. But in Japan, my roommate said, uh, my roommate Koshi shouts out. He said that like they take this very seriously and they really, really want to win. That's Japan, so um, it's cool to see this level of pride coming from them. So that that's a, maybe of a bit of an added boost as well. They also have Masataka Yoshida, who is going to be uh, his debut season this year in MLB with uh, the Red Sox. He got a big contract, so expecting a lot from him. And then Seiya Suzuki, who was a rookie last year with the Cubs. You know, I think there's just tons of talent, all MLB caliber talent, even if we don't know all these names. So um, I'm really excited for them. Also, Travis Roki Sasaki is on their pitching staff. He is someone who... Um, was setting some sort of record last year for like he threw a perfect game I think and then like the next game like had like seven or eight perfect you know he was just um, completely lighting it up in the Japanese league and he's a young guy too so um, there's just tons to like overall 
uh, that's my, that's my take on Japan. I think that even though they're not in the top two, they could be a giant killer for sure. They can take down these these super stacked rosters. They have the depth um, and the kind of, you know, I think they have a kind of unity amongst their roster. But if I keep it going, Travis, my number four team is going to be Venezuela. Um, they, you had them, right? Yes, they're number three for me. Yeah, so we agree. There's so much talent on that roster. Um, I think the standout name is uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I'm trying to find their roster. I have it right here. Cunha and then Altuve, you know, those are just two huge names. Also look at young guys like um, Andres Jimenez, where we, I think right. we were so big on him last year with the Guardians. Pitching-wise, I, I think I mentioned Suarez, Ranger Suarez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Martin Perez, Herman Marquez, Jesus Luzardo, Angel, Pablo Lopez. It's, it's, it's a talented starting pitching staff. Angel prospect Jonathan Diaz, Travis. Oh, that's right, yes. Could, could I fancy yes. with him? But, yeah, there, there's just tons of talent. All over the place. Um, Quijada, I didn't even see. I didn't even see that the first time. Yeah, the Angels, yeah, Quijada as well. Angels reliever, but there's just um, MLB talent throughout, which is kind of, you know, you don't want to act like, uh, you know, we're just kind of dumb Americans who only know players in MLB, but that's kind of the case. I mean, yeah. MLB is the premier league in the world, of course, of baseball. So um, I think that there's just on their whole uh, position player side of things, there's like no. Uh, holes right there's like someone for every position where i think exactly. you know that makes a lot of sense i could see sal perez being a i'm not sure how they'll handle catcher between perez and chirinos but um i think perez would be a great dh as well as he could catch as well um i think guys like eugenio suarez um he's like and even glaber torres i think like these are the kind of guys who can just have a monster like couple weeks right and they could just hit like True. five hormones in one week so there's just lots of upside as well as the talent and then my fifth pick travis is puerto rico so i i figured we have the same top five travis i yeah. think these are very clearly the top five teams in my opinion i don't know who six is but i think this is the clear top five very good yeah um it would have been fun to see carlos correa here i know he is puerto rican um he is not on the team. I know he had this whole injury thing this offseason, so he's probably just focusing on that. But he's not on the position player list. But seeing Baez, seeing Lindor, Kike Hernandez, uh, MJ Melendez is a young up-and-comer who's on the Royals. Jose Miranda, young up-and-comer for the Twins. There's just tons to like about um, the position players all over the place. Uh, and then I think from the pitching side of things, they can actually be sneaky, uh, really good. Uh, Barrios is a good starting pitcher, of course. Not only you mentioned Edwin Diaz as a closer, his brother Alexi Diaz is uh, had a really, really crazy uh, season with the Reds this year. Um, I think he got some Rookie of the Year votes, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he could be really good. Jorge Lopez out of the bullpen, Emilio Pagan out of the bullpen. Um, some really sneaky bullpen arms that you know. I'm not sure this team has the quite the top level talent that you would imagine winning it all, but definitely has the talent to take over a game and pull off some upsets. So I'm excited, Travis. I, it really feels like to me, I mean, upsets can always happen, of course, but yep. I feel like one of those top three teams just kind of primed to take this thing. Definitely, definitely. It feels like the talent disparity is pretty big. It um, is. It is. So I, I'm, I'm super excited, but any other notes, any other things to comment? I mean, our lists are pretty much the same despite like a small switch around in yeah, third yeah. and fourth place. Well, one name that I, I – I'm, it's, it's kind of funny, but uh, – Marcus Stroman, he'll be for Team Puerto Rico, but right. he was for Team USA last World Baseball Classic. So um, I, it's you know, I, I don't, I don't think that even happens in soccer with FIFA, right? I don't think guys would ever play for another country. Um, it so, might happen very rarely, but it, yeah, it, it is just funny thing to look at. Yeah, yeah, I think it does happen. I think there was a guy who uh, was on Team USA this year who like 
is also like you could be British if you want to. You know, that kind of thing happens. Or mm-hmm. I know that there was some uh, French players who represented France in the past, but now they represent their African country where their grandparents are from or however it goes. But overall, yeah, you'd think that um, there wouldn't be that much switching around, especially after you already like competed and won one with USA in years past. But it is funny that Stroman will be for Puerto Rico this year. But um, but yeah, I think overall, Travis, um, we're excited. We're going to continue covering World Baseball Classic stuff as it comes yes. up. Um, I'm sure as those teams start meeting up, we'll kind of get a better sense of, you know, I mean, some teams have some, I wouldn't say issues, but just kind of almost good problems to have like Team USA. I don't know exactly how they're going to stack up um, like their middle infield. Like I wonder if they end up going, you know, Tim Anderson at second. Ba- I mean, who's playing second base for them? Is it going to be like Tim Anderson or Trey Turner? Um, um, if, you if, know. if it's Trey who plays short, you know, it's like it should be, you know, probably good problems to have because there's depth there. But, you know, uh, you know, are they going to be able to DH Schwarber? Is he going to get some outfield time? You know, true, true. Yeah. All right. So that kind of wraps up the World Baseball Classic teams. Alex, we're excited. We're pumped. It's going to be, I, I think the 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 stage is set after the FIFA World Cup being, what, only two, three months ago. Um, it's going to be really, really exciting. I think a lot of fans will be watching it this this time around. Since we didn't get it um, a couple of years back with COVID and everything, it got delayed. Um, I think it'll be really fun. But let's now push our main focus and our main knowledge to the top 10 positions that's the main part of this episode. So we'll start off with first base, Alex. Same thing like last time. Give us our top five. Start at number one. Go to number five. Give the names first. We'll share both of ours, and then we'll talk about it. And same thing with the viewers and the listeners. Um, us critiquing these people, these players, based off of possibly some past success, but also looking towards the future where we see some of these guys um, trending towards in 2023 but alex i will start off with my top five if that is okay with you please do all right perfect so for first base number one at the position i still have paul goldschmidt he won the national league mvp he has been trending in a very nice direction over the last over the course of the last couple of seasons i still I, i still think he still has some things left still in the tank number two i have freddie freeman Number three, I have Pete Alonzo. Number four, I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And number five, I have Matt Olson. I will say, Alex, cautiously, I, th- I think it's a pretty, I'm not going to say simple or common top five, but um, I, I just think there's a big five at the first base spot. But I'm, I'm dying to hear exactly what you have for yours we agree on something travis there is a top five i do agree with that excellent excellent. for me there's a clear top five i really had trouble picking who i wanted to put sixth but deciding who was in the top five was pretty straightforward our order on the top five however travis is quite different i I knew it was gonna be different yep um i just want to tell my good friend vladito that my boy travis is sleeping on you fourth (laughs) i have vladdy jr Number one, one, my best first baseman. If I had to say for next season who I think is going to be the best, I think Vladdy's power, um, his pure hitting ability, I think it's the best of anybody at the position. Um, Goldschmidt probably provides a bit better defense, but I think that what Vladdy does at the plate, um, not only is he younger and the kind of aging into his prime Mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way around, uh, I think also 
we saw him have a great, amazing 2021. Yes. Uh, maybe a little bit of a disappointing 2022. Nothing too terrible, but just below what we expected probably. And then I think now he's ready to kind of bounce back and kind of show us what he can do again. So um, he hits the ball so hard. And um, when he hits the ball in the air, amazing things happen. So Vladdy's my number one. Number two, I go Freddie Freeman. I think he's the most consistent hitter. Possibly in baseball. I mean, he's definitely up there on that list. He's just so solid. Um, I don't see any weaknesses in his plate approach. He is really good at making contact, at hitting the ball hard, at avoiding swinging at balls. He really has a good eye up there. Um, just a great plate presence. Um, he he is he is aging, but I do not think his skills will age that poorly. I finally get to Goldschmidt at number three. He had an amazing year, but I just don't really see him doing it again. I think he still could have a really great year. He could still be an all-star, of course. I don't want to say I'm sleeping on him, but I just don't see him being the best in back-to-back -back seasons, uh, best first baseman in baseball. So I have him at third. I get to Alonzo at fourth. I think Alonzo has tons of upside. If, we, if we're sitting here, Travis, in, in, in six, seven, eight months from now and saying Alonzo was the best first baseman of 2023, I wouldn't be that surprised. He has He's that level of hitter, right? He's that level of hitter where he can put up a 50 home run season or whatever it may be. He already did it in his rookie year. And then number five, I get to Olsen. So we agree, the same big five. Olsen, um, not amazingly impressed with his uh, offense this last season. I think but we had him in our top two or three last year. Right, yeah. so a bit of a slip, um, but he is, he's supposed to be playing great defense, and I think overall just the bat from a position all about offense, his bat is just kind of slipped a bit, but um, still very obviously, I mean, he's also, if he was the best first baseman in the league this year, I wouldn't be that surprised either, yeah. just because he has amazing power and plays the position well, so Olsen's my fifth. Um, so I guess we'll just go here, Vladdy at fourth. Would you say that you're not a believer? You just want to see him do 2021 again uh, yeah. to, to kind of prove it? Yeah, I, I, I had Vladdy at fourth. Um, and I'll kind of start with just kind of the, the, the way I went about my order, at least for the top four. So for me with Goldschmidt, um, you know, he has had three straight seasons of an OPS plus above a 140, um, consistently has high walk rates. Um, you know, has of course struck out a little bit more the last couple of seasons, but that's not such a bad thing when you're putting up some of these numbers, um, especially having 35 bombs this last season. Yeah, I think his numbers might, um, you know, go down a tick next season, but I still think he is such a all around great first baseman. He brings the glove, he brings the contact, he brings the discipline and also the power. So that's why I like Goldschmidt where he's at, even if he did go down slightly a bit. I could see his OPS plus still being in the one forties or in the one thirties um, with Freeman, Alex. I mean, like you said, he's been so consistent. I think he had his best on base percentage year. If you take away 2020, he had his best on base percentage year. I believe in his career. Um, he walked a lot more than he, than really he ever has. I think that the Dodger coaches have had a really nice approach with Freddie Freeman. I think he's still going to have a very productive career when he finished out his days with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So that's why he's number two, number three, Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, honestly, in, in my opinion, I, I think he's been a little more consistent so far than Vladdy. I know they both kind of came in the league at the same time, both guys coming in in 2019. Pete Alonso has posted, 
you know, OPS pluses that are always around like a 135 every single season. So I really like that. Um, you know, walks are are actually kind of going up from 2021 to 2022. He's still going to strike out a lot, but that's just because the home runs and the RBIs are being provided at such a monstrous rate. Um, you can definitely get some of those uh, some of those home runs. But you know, I had Vladdy actually this past year. I bet on Vladdy to win the American League MVP. I really thought just the way the ball goes off of his bat and just the way just just his approach to the plate i i still am such a big and huge believer at vladi guerrero just looking at the numbers i think i look at 2021 as it it's it's definitely the outlier but not 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 a huge bad problem to have but you do look at the last couple seasons he did have i mean a 132 ops plus still very very good but you did see the walks dramatically go down from 2021 and you saw the strikeouts go up. So those are kind of two trends you really don't want to see. The home runs went down. Some of the other um, counting stats went down as well. But I I think I look at these top four, top five guys, and that's why I said there's a big top five for first basemen. At the end of the year, I, I would not be surprised if any of these five guys are number one in our view. Um, they just have that much um, skill, that much strength. Alonzo and Guerrero are two guys that are young and we'll be battling it out, I think, in the next coming years as the number one or number two first basemen in the league. But as of right now, that's the only reason why I had that. I just saw some of Vladdy's numbers go down from the previous season. So okay. he'll be my number four. I think he's still in my mind. Still, I want to see him prove it again that he can go back to that 2021. Because, I mean, if there's no Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is probably the unanimous MVP that season. He was just so, so impressive. But that's kind of how I break down my top four. And then with Olsen, I think Olsen was just the easy number five pick yeah i agree about olsen number five pick um on i guess my last note of laddie before we get to the bottom half of that list here i think that i mean so all the projections on fan graphs um like steamer and zips and stuff the bat they all have uh vladdy as probably the best first base hitter next year um by wrc plus but of course there's more to the position than just that he might be the worst defensively it's probably either him i mean alonzo also not very good defensively so you yeah. could probably slice it a few different ways but he um, won a gold glove laddie so I, I will say that's actually pretty crazy to think that last season the the, the it, offense went down but he did win a gold glove which <laughs> i mean that, that i i'm glad the voters want to give him something yeah, there but yeah. i don't think that's based on very much uh, numbers i would say but um i think we saw him botch like a little blooper uh, in his in his yeah. MVP runner-up campaign, and we were like, this guy's not the MVP. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyways, I think that um, I think that what Vladdy's gonna do this year. I mean, I think he actually has a surprising combo of his power while also not striking out too much. He, um, you know, the strikeout rate is uh, like you said, it was worse this year. But he's not like a Judge or even a Trout who strikes out, you know, 25, 30% of the time. Yeah. Um, just this last year, he struck out 16% of the time. Um, and he walked, April 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 walked, I cannot believe who I'm about to say, Travis. I think you <laughs> give me, give me who you got six through ten. I don't think you're ready. If I'm being quite Jesus frank, Jesus Christ, I, I don't think you are ready. My sixth best first baseman for 2023, right? Yes. Not 2022. My sixth best first baseman for next season, this coming season, is going to be Vinny Pasquantino, 
Who's that, you might ask? If The if, Kansas City Royal. Yes, he was absolutely lighting it up in the minors. They called him up. He continued to light it up in the big leagues. Um, he is such a unique uh, hitter, Travis. He's, uh, I believe he's a lefty, right? He is a lefty, big lefty. He yeah. Lefty hitter, and he able, was able to walk 11.7% of the time and struck out less than he walked. He struck out 11.4% of the time. Despite that, had 10 home runs in 72 games, so mm -hmm. about like less than half a season got the 10 home runs. And overall, Travis, he hits the ball hard. Um, and I just think the fact that when you're hitting the ball really well and you're also walking more than you're striking out it's almost like i'm not going to say he's young out of pools but it's that type of hitter where i'm talking almost like a freddie freeman too where um i'm i'm very impressed by your oppressed 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 by your to be even better next year or at least the same he had a 137 wrc plus last year if he does that again for a full season he's going to be one of the top 10 first basemen next year so i'm really high on vinnie pascantino sixth might seem crazy to some of you folks but that's where i got him seventh i'm going nate low uh i'll just rattle off my rest and we'll talk okay. about them eight and i have 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 eight and i Start number six off of the guy you did not name. Um, I went with Jose Abreu. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm a big believer. Had a had a very nice season last year, and I think I'm a I'm a believer in um, a change of scenery can either help or still keep that consistency going. I think Jose Abreu is going to have a lot sure. of production around him in Houston to have still a very good impactful year. So he's my number six sixth first baseman, even though he's still. Um, I think he's going into his 36th age season. So he's a guy that definitely probably will be trending downwards on this list in the seasons to come. I just want to see what he can do in 2023. Number seven, we have the same guy, Nate Lau. Lau or Low? Do you know which one it is? I think he's There's a low. Brandon Lau. He's Low. He's yeah. Low. Okay, Nate, there's Nate a low. Brandon Lau on the Rays. But Nate Low is my seventh best first baseman. I was just so surprised looking at his numbers. If you go on Baseball Reference, he he's kind of a surprising guy. You don't really think of him too much, but he is such a great first baseman so far in what he's been able to do, especially last year. I'm excited to see what he can do this next upcoming season. Number eight, Alex, I have Reese hoskins someone who hits a lot of home runs is not going to have the best average maybe not the best on base but the slugging is still going to be very very good had a very good postseason i think he can really build off that this next season he's number eight for me number nine is anthony rizzo just like you um another consistent bat season in and season out um he's gonna he's gonna basically provide 25 to 30 home runs, especially at Yankee Stadium. He's going to just be a good anchor to that lineup. I think he batted third last year in the uh, in the Yankees order and did a very good job at that. So um, Anthony Rizzo is number nine. Number 10, Ty France, an outstanding first baseman just because he does he's not he's not known for the long ball which most first basemen that's kind of what they pride themselves on but ty france is a guy who gets extra base hits gets doubles makes contact with the ball a lot 
Um, I have a number 10 just because he he's just a model of a consistent contact first baseman first um, for uh, for all first basemen. But that's my top 10, Alex. Um, you know what? It's a bold, bold claim at Vinny Pass. Pasquantino. Pasquantino. I think you had him in fantasy last year. Um, I picked him up midseason. But even looking at those numbers, I'm surprised too. You know, 70 games. Yeah, the power could be a little bit better. I I do think playing at Camden Yards or um, at... at, um, What's it called? Oh, Kauffman. Kauffman, yeah. Oh, God, I'm thinking of Baltimore. So Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's... those, Those walls are deep. I mean, it is. if he's playing for the New York Yankees, he probably cracked 15 home runs out in 70 games. So then you're looking at that saying, wow, he could be a 30 home run guy. Um, these numbers could be a lot better if he played at Yankee Stadium. So I, I definitely don't judge too, too harshly for some Kansas City Royals that don't have a lot of home runs um, just because that yard is a very tough place to hit home runs out of. But um I, I, I do like that pick. I, I think he's a guy that really could break out. We don't really know the name. I don't think I probably, I mean, if I, I like I said, I think if, if you pulled the average, if, if you fan, know the name, if you know the name, it's like, you, you know, you at least know pretty much a lot about baseball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just keep an eye out next year, uh, folks, Vinny P. Um, I'm Vinny expecting, P, yeah. I think he's, you know, definitely a, a sleeper guy. I would say, you know, I mean, first base is pretty stacked for the all-star race, but in the American yes. League, you know, I could see him making some noise there. But anyways, Travis, um, yeah, I agree with you about what you said about Ty France. Uh, he is someone who, like you said, not a lot of power per se. The long ball is not really a specialty. I was surprised looking at his like stat cast profile. The exit velocity numbers really just are not really there for him. Um, but there's enough quality contact um, you just kind of line drives, you know, doubles and stuff like that, where, um, it kind of makes up for it almost. So he made, he had to make the top 10 for me. Um, there's some other guys, Travis, who I'm, I'm very, I guess, I mean, I'm just not really sure. Like a guy like Rizzo, Travis, I really like his year last year he had. Um, I think he still has really surprising pop. I feel like he's kind of changed his profile a bit he always has had a good eye but i think he's kind of shifted away from contact in favor of power i'm not yes. sure if that's a decision because of yankee mm-hmm. stadium or if it's just because of the yankees philosophy or maybe just the way his skills have developed with age but um it says he's 33 now but um his max exit velo was top uh 10 percentile in mlb um he still barrels the ball a lot he doesn't strike out too too much um, and yeah, I think overall he has a really good hitting profile still. So did you have him on your list? Um, and you were talking about Rizzo Rizzo. Yes. He was nine for me. So same, okay. same exact spot, um, that we both had him in. So, yeah, I think that we agree on the most part here. Just the only difference is, I guess, Pascantino and, uh, Abreu. Yeah. I don't want to act yeah. like an Abreu hater, but I've never just been a huge fan of his, uh, plate approach. One thing I will say, but he's an MVP. He is an MVP in a in a in a nice 2020 year he had, but um, I will say, I it would not surprise me at all if he was like an All Star caliber first baseman. Um, he definitely uh, hits the ball hard still, and I think that if he is able to fully maximize that short left field um porch as, as a member of the astros now there's definitely a chance he can just be a doubles machine get some extra home runs if he can master the pull fly ball or pull line drive 
Um, that's why, I mean, I feel like guys like Bregman Altuve have been able to just absolutely feast off of that because their power is not insane, but, um, they're able to kind of just pull it, uh, hit it hard enough, straight enough and, and get the job done. Um, but yeah, Abreu, I think is someone who easily could be a beast and maybe he should be on my top 10, but uh, I'm just a little bit worried about the age. Like you said, he's 36. Um, I think he's in a four year deal. I'm not sure that age is too well for the Astros. We'll see. I mean, they're smarter than I am, but uh, yeah, we'll see how, how that goes. He still does hit the ball hard, a 97 percentile hard hit rate, so that was in 2022. So there's still tons of like about how he hits the ball. I'm just thinking that um, maybe a little bit too much chase for for what I like, but that's yeah. okay. That's okay. And, um, and and I will point out too, Alex, there's so many first basemen that I think we're not talking about. I, I'm still optimistic. I think Jared Walsh could have a very good bounce back year for the Angels. Christian Walker for the Diamondbacks. He had I a almost monstrous wanted year. To go Walker, yeah. Um, you know, last year with with a you know a, a one twenty six OPS plus and thirty six bombs. Um, I know there's a couple other guys. I, I'm Rowdy Telez, someone who I like. Yes, uh, he yeah. had a good year. Could have another good year. Belt Travis, someone who always hits the ball really well, but um, unfortunately has become kind of a pl- platoon player. I almost yeah. wanted to put him in here somewhere just because when he does play and when he's healthy, he hits the ball really well. But um, given his age and his not very good against lefties, um, he will be used in a more limited role, probably closer to like 100 games played than, yeah. than 160. Yeah. yeah, and I was even saying like guys like Ryan Mountcastle could be in a good breakout season. Uh, unfortunately, they decided to move the fence back at Camden Yards for the Baltimore. So he, of course, will not have probably a very good power season. I think it, I think um, he goes from like a potential 40 home run guy to like a 25 home run yeah, guy. But. Yeah, which which again is is just the way they the way they structured that that new look to the ballpark. It, it's it's atrocious. I, I wish they would go back to the drawing board and, and find a way to lower that wall and not make it like a mini green monster that's at like 380. But, you know, maybe lower the wall a little bit or move it in. So um that that wraps up our first baseman list pretty good similarities right there i know we had a strong top five and then the bottom five a lot of similarities similarities there but um moving on to second base now alex i'll let you start off first you can give me your top five starting at number one and then work your way down i'll give you mine okay sounds good more surprises travis the surprises are gonna keep coming and it's 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 a familiar name but i'm i'm a bit surprised i have him as high as i do first up it's gonna be jose altuve there's no surprise there um he is someone travis who year in year out is one of the best uh, second basemen in all of baseball this last year was no different he hit the ball really well and was on the World Series winning team to boot. So Altuve is my first pick. My second pick, to my surprise, is going to be Marcus Semyon. He is someone, Travis. Wow. He's someone who I've always kind of been a little bit down on. I feel like ever since 2019, um, he had a very solid season, but I didn't think he really deserved third place in MVP voting. Uh, and then ever since then, you know, he had a monster 2021 with Toronto and he earned this great contract, this long-term contract with the uh, Texas Rangers. And he started last year really, really poorly, but he actually had a really good second half. He did. And the projections next year, Travis, they really like him. Um, I am really surprised by how good of defense that cast says he plays. They say, I mean, I think at shortstop, it was uh, maybe not quite at at this level, but at second base, uh, StatCast has him... Um, this is loading still. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> um, it, overall, I'll say this. He has a, 
a good amount of walks and not that many strikeouts is one thing I like about his offense. But here we go on defense. They have him in the 95th percentile for outs above average and 89th percentile, percentile sprint speed. So he's actually almost an elite runner with almost elite defense. And even though I don't think he's going to have quite that much power, especially he's 32, only getting older from here, I still think he's going to be able to put enough balls in play, uh, you know, run out. You know, I think he's got a great um, speed tool to him still. And if you look at his uh, spray chart, Travis, this last in 2022, he was just all about pulling fly balls. He only has, I mean, if you look at this, every single home run but one is either to left center or left field. He has one that's in right center. And besides that, everything is left center or left field. Nothing is even dead center at all in that ballpark. So he really kind of figured out what works for him, which is pulling the fly ball. He, uh, for, we needs to get into that some of that power. But for the most part, he's a guy who can just spray the ball all over and run pretty well. So I'm a big fan of what he's bringing to the table, surprisingly, because um, I've kind of yeah. been... I've kind of been a hater, unfortunately, the last couple of seasons on him. Looking at the next spot for three, I go to Andres Jimenez. He had to be towards the top of this list after his rookie year. Um, next, I go to uh, Brandon Lau, who was not making a lot of noise last oh, year, okay. but I think he will be back in a big way. He still hits the ball very hard. Um, and I think, yeah, as a second baseman, to have that level of power potential, um, it's a really big deal. I think what I saw from him and I think it was 2021 or 2020 maybe, but the, the, the his ability to hit the ball so hard from that position is, is you know, uh, something that's quite rare. And then my fifth pick in the position, Travis, is going to be Jeff McNeil. Got it. So okay. give me your top five. Um, I'll say this is a pretty, it's a pretty random grouping. I feel like we're going to have some differences yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So far, I mean, surprisingly, we have some some pretty similar guys in, in the top five. Um, and, and I will say, Alex, I, I think we're getting into the positions now where and this is where it gets tricky because me and Alex don't talk about who we're going to put on our list, but I might consider some guys to be second basemen. Oh, yes. He might consider some guys to be third basemen. So clarify that we might have different guys on different lists, but I just want to let the viewers know or the listeners know that if they, if they, you know, we, we have two guys that are, you know, rightfully in, in the top five, but we have them as a second baseman or one of us has them as a second baseman, the third baseman. We know why, but um, I'll start off. Of course, Altuve is number one for me. Um, just consistently uh, just being a superstar at that spot. I actually had a really good power season last year, um, but he's number one. Andres Jimenez for the Guardians is number two. Just really, really impressed what he was able to provide. I think it was over a seven war last year. Um, had some good pop, very, very, very good defense, really good um, uh, speed on the base paths that, as well. I like what he can provide for the Guardians moving forward. Number three, I have Marcus Semien. So um, unlike you at number two, I have Semien at number three. I am, I'm completely with you. I, I, I've liked Semyon's game ever since last year with what he was able to do for the Blue Jays. I think it was 40 home runs or so um, as a second baseman, which is just unbelievable. But that start he had, I don't know if he hit a home run in his first month. It was something like our, it was like almost like the Albert Pujols thing in 20, uh, in 2012 when Albert Pujols went a month without hitting his first home run in an Angels uniform. I think Semyon had like three weeks or a month with no home runs, which was just so surprising because in 2021, the guy was only hitting home runs, but Marcus Semien still had a 5.9 war after that start that he had. That was just 
depressing for yeah, for most if, Rangers fans. If you just take that start away and just said like he was an average hitter for the first part, he would have been like all of a sudden MVP conversations. Yeah, It'd be yeah, crazy. Yeah. You're looking at all, already again another seven war season for Marcus Semyon, but he's number three. Number four, I have Jeff McNeil. Surprisingly, a 140 OPS plus last season. A great, great just contact machine. I think he is just starting out with what he can do in his career. Um, the, the power numbers did take a dive last year. They weren't as strong, but that's okay. The average was, um, he, he was the batting title champion for major league baseball. So he's a guy that's just going to be a strong contact guy. Another guy that I think re- will definitely rely on a lot of his teammates and really it, it'll elevate his game to another level. So Jeff McNeil is my number four, second baseman. Number five, I have Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals, Alex. So that's one guy I wanted to point out. I considered him to be a second baseman. I I think they're going to consider him to be a second baseman this year, but a 4.1 war to start out his major league career. Um, I, I can't say enough. I mean, a 280 batting average, a 394 on base, a 379 slug, not going to be an extra base hits guy. Hits a lot of doubles, not a lot of home runs, but just the discipline already at such a young age. Um, that's what's really impressive to me. Got the gold glove at, um, let me check and see what, what was it the, the utility spot, side. maybe? You I'm know not what? Sure. I, I think you're right. I was going to say because I don't think they really had a, uh, he got the, he got the utility gold glove spot. So yeah, he was the utility man, gold glove winner, um, but also was third in rookie of the year. Uh, voting. So I, I just, I, I, I like where he's trending. I think that he is a guy that they can really grow off of. He was one guy that was one of the most consistent um, younger guys on that Cardinals team last year, but he's my number five guy. Um, pretty similar stuff, Alex. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know where really where to start if we should just keep on going down the list or yeah, let's just uh, reflect, do because I mean, we, it's, let's we, do we, that. We've already said we'll, a lot about our guys. And then we'll get, we'll get through the six through 10 then we'll kind of talk about everyone as a whole got it um i'll go ahead and go six through 10 travis my six i have glaber torres uh he started the year at shortstop but i think with ik or maybe that was 2021 he was trying shortstop um but then with ikf there um and also guys like peraza and volpe coming up i I think he's not going to be a shortstop ever again is my guess (laughs) um so i've met as a second baseman that's glaber Seven, I go to Cronenworth of the Padres. Uh, eight, Cattell Marte. He is someone who has played center field, but I think that right now there's so many young uh, prospects that play the outfield for the Diamondbacks that I think he'll play second base next year, but um, we'll have to see. Ninth, I go with um, Arise, who just got traded to Miami. Okay, I think that they said that he will be playing second with uh, Jazz Chisholm in the outfield, center field. So I kind of him as a second baseman for this exercise. And 10th, I finally get to Ozzy Albies. Uh, maybe low for some people's expectations. But Travis, give me your 6 through 10 so we can talk about it. Yeah, so um, I actually started off with Luis Arise at the 6 spot. Um, I, you know, his only flaw is he's not going to have a, a huge power bat, but still provides a good batting average and with that still has a good on base percentage of 375 last year yes. a 130 ops plus um you know overall it's funny i think he i think he did he won the silver slugger for utility that's right uh just, over just oh. just annoying me trevor there's there's <laughs> Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani gets no silver slugger because yeah. uh because people don't know what they're doing yeah but. yeah yeah so but i have Luis arias at the um at the number six spot i i think he'll he'll still provide some some good uh some good hitting numbers for the miami marlins um 
you know, all in all in their season. Number seven, I have Ozzy Albies. Um, Ozzy Albies, I, I, I know. I, I th- how many games did he play last year? Do you have that that figure in number? I could get it in just a second here. It was not that many. Yeah. Um, let me see. I think we all still are are are. It's kind of he's kind of like that player that we all. It was remember six, from. Six, 64 games. Um, he had a, he batted two forty seven, two ninety four. Okay. So it was definitely a down year okay. for him with okay. with injuries. To be fair. Okay. Okay. And, you know, he's definitely a guy. I think that we, I think we see we 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 watch him. We see him hit those clutch hits. We see him have very big moments, and we don't really take too much of a dive in the numbers. But to the common fan, they probably have him being like a top three second baseman. I think he's a good second baseman. I don't think he's on that top tier, though. Um, but I think he is a, a strong candidate for number seven. Um, number eight, Alex, that's where I go uh, with Brandon Lau of the Rays. Only played, I think it was like 60 games last year. Had a one war, but... I mean, you look back at the 2020 and 2021 seasons. I mean, this guy is a home run machine at the second base spot. Um, a very, very funny, just kind of like batting line. Not going to have a great average. I think the on-base numbers aren't even that great as well. Um, it's just all about the slug Yes, <laughs> with this guy, which he still can always have an OPS above like an 800 or an 850, which then translates to a good OPS plus. But Brandon Lau, and that's that's basically the secret to the, the Rays madness. They just have all these guys that are just strong at these at different things some guys they just are really good at on getting on base brandon lau is a guy that just is great at slugging so he'll hit the x brace hits and get these guys in but brandon lau is my number eight number nine i have Cattell Marte. um i think Marte alex was in my top two or three of last year um 2019 was just a big breakout season for him um he's he's had some good seasons in the past but it's just kind of an inconsistency where i don't really know where to go with with here he's still i consider him to be a top 10 second baseman but um he's going to be taking a deep dive um in in my you know in my ranking so that's why he's there and then i think the last one number 10 i have that's going to be colton wong of uh now the seattle mariners but colton wong um i think we talked about him a couple months back he, he was just a strong defensive player with a weak bat and then last year he was a bad defensive player with a stronger bat so yes. it's again i don't understand how you kind of can translate your efforts now to going to really good hitting from bad defense um or from good defense but um he's gonna be my number 10 guy um for for the second baseman's alex um i guess anything right now to add on for these second baseman lists yeah so I think there's some interesting guys worth highlighting. I have McNeil at fifth. He is someone, Travis, who I almost wanted to put him a little bit lower. I feel like he deserved a good ranking by a season he just had, you know. I think that he hit the ball for average quite well, which obviously he was a batting champion, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, that's great, especially, you know, second baseman. um, Like you said, was missing on some power. His hard hit percent and barrel rate all really low. His average exit velocity really low. But the batting average kind of made up for it, right? But... I just think the nature of these things, it, it's pretty rare for someone to have just a really high batting average in the next year to follow it up with another high batting average. Tim Anderson did it a couple years ago. I think Yelich did it for a couple years in a row, but usually there's some up and down with batting average, yeah. I feel like. Um, these players like Altuve was like for a couple years a really good batting guy, and then you had to kind of adjust and kind of sell out for power a little bit. It's just kind of the way it goes. It's kind of hard, I think, to be a good batting average person every single year. Yeah at least in the modern day. Um, 
So anyways, I'm not seeing too many walks from McNeil. It's not bad, but it's not amazing. And then uh, the lack of power for me is why I have him low. I think that mm-hmm. even though he's really good at making contact, avoiding strikeouts, and he actually plays really good defense according to StatCast, outs above average for a second baseman. Um, that's why he ended up staying in my top five because that defense and the contact. But I think the contact could take a bit of a step back if he just has a bit more bad luck this year. So um, we'll, we'll see how he trends. I am actually probably higher on Glaber Torres than most. Did you have him? I did not have him. I did not have him. Um, and possibly because I was considering him more as a shortstop, which again, this is where our list kind of oh, get a little okay. bit um, flawed in a way. And then also I was going to say Cronenworth, I had him as a first baseman. So certain oh, guys, I will, okay. I, I, I will point out that I think we, we, uh, we might think of as other positions. I know we, I know we talked about a couple guys last night before this recording, but, uh, um, we wanted to get a couple things. Those straight, are guys that I, I I had at other positions. So yeah, Gla- yeah. Glaber's a guy, Travis. Who, if you're factoring him as a second baseman, like I did, he is not going to play amazing defense, but it's not going to be too terrible. And then he's going to hit the ball hard. Uh, the hard hit percentage is 77 percentile. The average exit velo and the max exit velo are pretty good. The barrel rate's pretty good. So he's just a guy who I think is going to be able to hit the ball hard in Yankee Stadium. A lot of those balls are going to go out. He's going to have some of the most power for any second baseman on this list, which is why I have him here. Who was your ninth guy? Because that's someone who I didn't have. My ninth guy was, I believe it was Cattell Marte. Oh, okay. Yeah, so never yeah, mind. We did yeah, both have yeah. him. So, um, yeah, I think overall... Um, the bottom half of our lists are probably different, like the Glaber and Cronenworth thing because of the positions. It gets a little fuzzy, yeah. So there's yeah. no problem there. But yeah, we agree on Albies. I think that he's trending downwards. Uh, I think that hey, that offense is just probably, I think he's just a kind of a league average hitter. He's had some big moments, like you said, because he plays for a team that's consistently in the playoffs, consistently playing big games on Sunday nights and stuff like that. But I think he's a good defender with um, not great hitting, just yeah. average hitting. So that's where I'm at with him. Maybe he gets like the Yadi or Melina treatment where it's it's not a great hitter, but it's great defense. But we we just like we 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 take that eye test too sure too far, and it's like this guy is just an elite of elite player, and it's like you know check the numbers and all that stuff. But and then um, my, my last note here, um, I do not know what to make of Cattell Marte. I did have him as my eighth. You have him as your ninth. I think we just respect the upside, right? Yeah, we know yeah. that what he did in 2019 <laughs> was really, really good. I think in 2020 he had a really good start and then got hurt or something like that. But he is someone who always just has like these inconsistent numbers. Uh, 96th max exit video last year, though. So he still, when he hits the ball at his absolute hardest, it's still absolutely crushed. Uh, he's good at. Uh, avoiding chasing to some extent and he actually makes pretty good contact as well but the batting average wasn't that high Um, it's just kind of confusing overall I'm not sure exactly what to expect next year also his sprint speed is down he used to be I feel like a lot faster this last season he had a 41 percentile so below average speed which is surprising to see and he had a pretty bad rated defense by outs above average so overall Travis I don't know what to make of him. I'm not sure if maybe the injuries have piled up and kind of hurt his athleticism. He's also someone, Travis, who he's a switch hitter, but I think he is definitely better from one side. I think he's better against lefty pitchers. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe okay. maybe get him in fantasy and just use him in the right matchups. But uh, I don't know what to expect from him next year. Uh, I do like him as a player, though, so I hopefully he can have a good year from the second base spot. And but. I think in fantasy, he's a guy that could probably go even undrafted and you could just get him in like, you know, 
yeah, the second well, week and pick him up as a utility guy. And, you know, he could have a really good rule, uh, a low risk, uh, high reward kind of guy. Yeah. If, I mean, if he goes undrafted, I'll definitely say snag him for your bench at least because he can play a handful of positions. Um, last year, he had eligibility, I think, middle infield as well as outfield. So yes. that just helps a ton. So, um, but yeah, he's someone who I would get him in the later rounds if I could. I think just because the upside makes it worth it. He could end up just being an all star and I wouldn't be surprised because he hits the ball really hard. And he just has good tools, not bad with the strikeouts, not bad with the walks. So anyways, Travis, we'll keep it rolling. I think that uh, should we go shortstop or third base? What's going to be next for us? We can do shortstop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Here's another one, Travis, where I wanted to put someone and then we kind of decided we're going to leave him as an outfielder. I think most people probably know who we are talking about, but we'll save that for the outfield episode. <laughs> um Number one, Travis, shortstop, my number one is going to be Trey Turner. Okay. Um, I feel like he's earned it. Uh, besides that, I think that he's one of the most consistent health-wise, one of the best bets of anyone here. Even if I think his absolute best season might be worse than the best season from some of these other guys, uh, he's very consistent. Uh, he's not hurt like some of these other guys are. So I like Trey Turner, number one. I'd go to, I go to uh, Correa, number two. Uh, Correa... You know, had this injury thing. I think there was might have been a case for him to be number one, if not for the injury thing that's been kind of buzzing around him all off season. Number three, surprisingly high, I go Corey Seager. Number four, I go Lindor, and five, I go Wander Franco. So that's my top five. Wow. Okay. Okay. I was gonna say I, I can definitely say there's a big four. I thought there'd be a big five that'd be very similar for us, but we we have the same top four at least um, for our shortstops. But number one, I have Correa. Number two, I have Trey Turner. Three, I go Corey Seager. Four, Francisco Lindor. And five, I still kept it with Xander Bogarts now playing for the San Diego Padres. But um, Alex, I guess I'll start off first with the Correa Turner um, at number one, number two. I, I think what, what you said is, is 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 true about you know Correa being injured, and you know there's still kind of some some question marks. I I still see him as a guy, even being injured last year for a little bit, still put up great great numbers at the shortstop position. I think he was even still my my all MLB shortstop just ending last year, just because. Um, the war and the offense was all still spectacular. And if he would have played at least 140 to 150 games, um, those numbers would have just been way more elevated and, and, and would have been a clear runaway for the best shortstop in the game. But I still have faith Correa over the last two seasons has been monstrous. I think that that will continue, even though Trey Turner had a amazing season last year. I will say, if there's one guy I want to play with, like on a video game, I think Trey Turner is like my favorite guy to have because I love the speed. I love the power. Um, I just love the combination of everything he provides. He's such a fun ball player to watch, but he's my number two. And then number three, Seager, he, 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 the shift is no longer a thing. And so I, I want people to really take a deep dive and look at Seager. Is he a guy that I might put $10 on for an AL MVP? Possibly. Is that a little preview there? It, it's a, it could be a little preview, but he's a guy I want people to watch. I, I think he can have a really good season next year. I, I think a lot of guys are sleeping on what Seager did, you know, 
gave up winning, went to Texas, got the contract, just kind of going to cruise for the rest of his career. I think he can have a really big season last year, but he's my number three. Lindor being number four, again, just kind of another complete all-around shortstop. So the defense, the power, the hitting, everything he provides is such a above-average level. So Lindor, easily number four. Number five, Bogarts, I still have just because the I, I think the, the, the hitting is still such an excellent level that Bogarts provides. I think the power definitely dipped last year. It was more of just an average hitter um, or a batting average type hitter. But I still think he is one of the top, um, you know, shortstops in the game. The Padres definitely think he's one of the still the top shortstops in the game. They definitely gave him a handful of money. But that's who I got for my top five, Alex. Anything you want to talk about with your top five? It was very similar stuff, but um, a different yes. number five. But anything in that top four? Yeah, we'll talk quickly about Seager. I love what you said about him. I have the same exact um, thoughts. I am also thinking he is going to be a sleeper for an AL MVP. Uh, I think he just is almost due for just his offensive year, right? Like he's only 28 right now, it looks like. I think he's just due for like one of these years where everything is just going perfectly for him because he hits the ball super hard. I think he's just kind of destined to have one of those years. Uh, I love his profile. He in terms of strikeout percentage, he's 85th percentile, which means he does not strike out too much. Uh, he does not, he walks about average, so he's not a crazy on base guy, but he does, he's aggressive. I think, I think almost every time the Angels play him, he swings first pitch. Like yeah. he is super aggressive up there. Uh, and he hits the ball just so incredibly hard, he mashes it. Um, the expected slugging, expected batting average is all very high. Expected Woba very high. And surprisingly, StatCast does love his defense, outs above average. That's something that, you know, it's kind of hard to say how that will factor into an MVP case. Definitely won't help you in fantasy at all, but I think it helps his value as a player, which is what we care about, the total package. I think he is going to be a total package. I think everything but speed. But I think his... Um, you know, there's first base, there's shortstops who have great speed. Guys like, um, you know, we mentioned Trey Turner already, but guys like that don't have the same level of amazing quality of contact, just hard liners, hard pulled fly balls like Seager does. Seager also can go oppo uh, pretty well, uh, too. He has plenty of um, home runs to left field, center field, and right field. So overall, uh, I think he's due for a special year. So I'm glad we're both high on him. So we both have him at third. That, that, that's very that's very cool, Travis. And and I, I almost <laughs> I almost wanted to go Lindor over him, but I was just such a big believer in the Seeger um uh I guess surprise year we might uh, have be in store for. Number five, Travis, I guess I'll quickly talk about actually, you know what? Let's go six through ten so okay. I can see where you have Franco, you can see where I have Bogarts, and then we can talk. So I'll go six through ten. My six is going to be Bo Bichette. My seven, I finally get to Xander Bogarts. Eight, I go Willie Adamas. Nine, I go Dansby Swanson. And 10, I go with Tommy Edmond. Wasn't exactly sure where to put wow. him. I decided to shortstop. Nice, nice. Okay, so um, pretty similar start. Uh, six, I have uh, Bichette as well. Seven, I have Wander Franco. So it just we basically flipped Xander and yes. Franco from the five and the seven. Um, and then number eight, I have, I don't know why I'm blanking on his first name. I'm looking it up right now. I, number eight, I have Jeremy Pena mm. of the Houston Astros. Number nine, I have Dansby Swanson and number 10, I have Tim Anderson. So I did not have Willie Adamas on this top 10. And I think he might've mentioned someone else. I'm not mistaken. Edmund. Edmund. I did not have Edmund on this list. I guess for me is, I, I, 
a little bit fuzzy. I think I feel like I'm thinking of Edmund as a second baseman still. So I, I did I did have him there at first. It's tough. <laughs> um, but then you mentioned Donovan at second. I think they also have uh, Gorman who plays second. So True. I think he will see True. more time at short this year. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I think the, the, the corners in St. Louis are the only thing that are, are solidified. Locked in, yes. right. Yeah, there is always this level of uncertainty. But we'll talk about some of these differences we have then. So I, it's, the differences make for good discussions. Um, we have a bit, a small disagreement on Franco. You know, five and seven is not that far apart, but I do like Franco a lot. I think that the average power he's a, a displaying has not been that impressive. The barrel rate's low, the heart hit percentage is low, but the max exit velo is still really good, meaning when he does hit it uh, full power, he does still hit it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's able to make great contact. He's been really good at avoiding strikeouts, avoiding whiffs. So he's definitely been kind of a contact first kind of guy. The expected batting average is very good. So he probably has a pretty solid launch angle as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that combining all these things with um, some pretty solid defense and then just plus his pedigree as a prospect, I think he's due for, you know, I would say an all-star level kind of season, maybe a four-war kind of year. We'll see exactly where he ends up. But um, I guess the comparison we have to make is him and Bogarts because that's the disagreement we kind of had them switched. Yeah. I unfortunately am just a little bit low on Xander Bogarts this year. Uh, I think that the power was is kind of slipping in an interesting way. And I mean, I just talked about Franco, who does not have that much power either. Yeah. But I think that Bogarts is, uh, you know, he's 30 now. I think with the age, maybe, he's kind of shifting into someone who, if you look at his home run chart, Travis, it was all off the green monster. It was all these pulled fly balls. Um, and then he only has one dead center and two in the opposite field. So I think that I'm not sure how well his uh, his power will fare in San Diego. I'm a I'll little... tell you this much. He's going to a pitching-friendly ballpark, which right. is going to be tough for him. Yeah. And so with that being said, uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, the offensive output. I think he still has overall very good, not amazing, but good bat-to-ball uh, skills the contact rate will probably be pretty good uh it feels like last year he may have almost thought more about average than power it could have been a fluke but 15 home runs 307 average to me he wasn't really that guy before i feel like he was more of like a 290 hitter with like 20 25 yeah. home runs so i feel like he might be trending in the wrong direction especially for that ballpark um you need the extra power to get it out there i'd say um Stackhouse liked his defense last year poor arm strength but good gloves so we'll see how he fares um i don't want to i'm quitting on him i still have him at seventh but i think he's just not might not be the same guy he was the last couple years especially maybe two three years ago where he was like maybe the best shortstop in baseball or at least top three yeah. i think he's i think he's declining from that spot especially because there's so much young talent like bichette and Franco that are rising up the ranks, but and that's um, fair. I, I I will say that that's very fair with 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 the offense just kind of taking a little bit of a dip. I looked at Franco, and it's fun. You know, he played seventy games in twenty twenty one, and then this past year only played eighty three games. I, I think there were just some injury stints throughout the season. But you're basically looking at a in the two years he has basically played a full MLB season for his career, one hundred fifty three games, and then you kind of look at down the stat line a two eighty two average, three thirty seven on base, a four thirty nine slug it's still a 122 ops plus in your rookie season that's still a very good start to your career being that you're not even 22 years old yet and playing the hardest defensive position exactly exactly so i think there's definitely things for him to build off of i think going back to like even some of my other positions um i I think i'm just waiting to see exactly what he can do 
to uh, to keep on elevating. I think kind of like kind of like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. where I want to see a, a little bit more of a sample size so I can get a, a good grasp on this so that in the next coming years he can be in my top you know top five top three. I think he's a guy that will be in that top three discussion one of these days. Though the war is outstanding. I mean, you got a six point one war in. in in your career and you've only played 153 games that's if you can do that every single year you're basically a lock for the for the hall of fame in cooperstown so um i i'm a little surprised you haven't yet called out one of my biggest omissions i'm not sure if you if you <laughs> if you processed i do not have uh jeremy pena you know what I, is I was that gonna, surprising I, you it's a little surprising i know you had him in fantasy um and I, I know the start that he was on was unbelievable, really cooled off in a in a not not a concerning way in the second half, but just just really came back down to earth. I'm a little but then, concerned. But then <laughs> I'm a little concerned, but then really picked it back up in the postseason being right. an ALCS MVP and a World Series MVP. That's definitely something really special to have. Um I don't know how many people in history have ever accomplished those two things with winning the World Series, but in their rookie season. But um, I, I do think Jeremy Pena is a guy that's on the right track. Um, the power numbers are definitely um, very, very nice to see. He just needs, of course, to focus more on the walks and less on you know the strikeouts. I mean, look, looking at last year, 22 walks in the season, uh, 135 you're, strikeouts. You're seeing what I'm seeing, Travis. But but I, I the, the power numbers I think were um, were, were very nice. I, I think it's just something that will have to be worked on. I, I I I give him I give him a little patience. I give him a little free pass. Okay. Oh oh I I'm I'm all for being patient. I'm all for being patient. I just um, you know I think it's okay to be patient and also be a little concerned about red flags. And one red flag for me, Travis, is his really really low walk percent. He's four percentile, bottom four percent in baseball in terms of getting uh, walks for someone that gets as many you know changes changes at the plate that he does. He, I mean, he was batting second for the World Series winner, yeah. and he is so bad at drawing walks. That's why I don't know why they're batting him second because that's someone who I want getting on good base for the old dusty for the meat of the order. <laughs> he chases the ball um, in the bottom ten percent of the league. He strikes out a ton, like you kind of mentioned. He swings and misses a lot too. Honestly, Travis. I think the best comp for him, and this is not an insult because we make fun of this player. This is still someone who's had a really good career so far overall. I think he's a Javier Baez uh, 2.0 coming, and that's not a bad thing. We make fun of Javi Baez because um, he has all these funny clips of him swinging at balls in the dirt or being way out in front. But when he hits the ball, he hits it really hard, and he plays amazing defense. Pena is playing really good defense in his rookie year. I hope he keeps that up. He's actually faster than Baez is, I think. He had a 95 percentile sprint speed, so top 5% in baseball in terms of running the bags. Um, and he hits the ball hard still, but I am just not a big fan of how little he gets on base. And especially in that lineup, uh, that's a skill I would want him to have, especially because so many other guys in the order are so good at being patient. Um, but yeah, I think overall, Pena had a very good rookie year. He deserved... Uh, the world series mvp you know um so i'm not sure exactly what he'll be like next year he's already 25 i thought he'd be a bit younger than that but um i'm hoping the best for him of course i just am not too high on i guess what he's bringing mm -hmm. forward i did have tommy edmund in my 10th spot i'll just give him a quick shout out yeah. since i did include him great great i mean probably one of the most underrated 
you know, middle infielders in the game right now. Yeah. I think he, he helps any team. Yeah. He had a really good first half. He plays elite defense. Actually, according to outs above average by StatCast, he is the best shortstop. Or I think it has him at second base here, but he was 100 percentile and outs above average. So pretty much top of baseball on defense, uh, avoiding, you know, uh, making bad plays, having good range, all that kind of stuff. The max exit velocity numbers surprisingly good but the average power is not great you don't really he's not the kind of guy who you're up there hoping he hits uh to the fence over the fence but if you ever tapped into some of that max power he could definitely just become this five tool player that no one saw coming um he's still really fast uh he has a little bit better plate skills than uh, Baez, uh, avoiding more strikeouts walking a bit more um more skills in pain yeah i should have said but yeah i think that um at the end of the day, I like Tommy Edmonds, what he brings to the plate. I'm not sure exactly what he'll do next year because I feel like this is kind of a, a bit of a breakout year. I hope he can kind of continue to build on it mm-hmm. rather than it being a fluke. But um, I like Edmonds, so he had to make my list somehow. Um, so he's squeaked in at 10. Any yeah. uh, any other kind of differences? or Nothing really crazy. I, I, where would you have Swanson? Ninth. Ninth, okay. And he was ninth for me as well. And I don't think you had... Did you not have Tim Anderson on your list? No, I went no. for Adamas instead. Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, that's right. I can um, see the case for either guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when it... With a lot of these guys like Edmund, um, I, I, if I had to bet, he will play some second base this, last, this next year. So not having him on my list, that's the reason why. Um, and also not really visually seeing him that much. Um, but one guy let's talk about that we we both had at a sixth spot, Bobachette. Um, what what do you think he needs to do to get into that top five? Because he, he he's a he's a young, outstanding shortstop. I love that question, Travis. What does he need to do to get into the top five? I think that he already um, has the skills to do so. It really just comes to having it all click at once. I think one thing he's not very good at is almost similar to Pena. He's not that good at drawing walks. He's a bit better at contact than Pena. There's less whiff in his game than Pena. But I think where where Bichette thrives is obviously at the plate. The defense is not why you, you know, uh, pick him in fantasy or pick him for MVP or whatever it is. His his offense, he has the ceiling, I think, to be the best offensive shortstop. Um, you know, maybe not with uh, Tatis or Correa, perhaps, but I think on that Correa level almost. Um, he hits the ball really hard. The average exit velo is uh, 91%. The hard hit percentage is 94th percentile. So there's we're talking about you know top 10% in uh, in power and how how well he hits the ball. Um, and he hits the ball frequently enough because he's not a big swing and miss guy. So I think overall, uh, in order to be a top five shortstop, he either needs to improve the defense a little bit improve the walking a little bit to kind of round out the uh plate approach or maybe he could just have to get lucky for one season and just absolutely um just crush the ball which definitely mm-hmm. could happen uh i think a righty like him is is probably missing the old uh camden yards with the shortened uh yes. left field yep. but i think in that division there's lots of opportunity for um monstrous offensive performances agree agree um so i think that he already has the tools to put it together he's not been that consistent unfortunately but he hits the ball very well i'm not concerned about anything besides i wish he walked a bit more but i think he still avoids the swing and miss he makes enough contact it's just going to come down to him having a year where the ball you know all these doubles kind of land where the defense ain't 
And I think he's capable of being, you know, it was one of these guys who uh, next year, year after could be in our top five. But um, wh- what do you think of when you think of Boba Shett and yeah, his game? I, I, I mean, surprisingly has led the American League in hits the last two years. So, you know, the contact is no problem right there. Um, does hit some decently good pop. I mean, 29 home runs in 2021 and then 24 last year. For a, a shortstop especially, it's not yeah, bad at all. Yeah, yeah. with a dead and ball, um, that's still something very impressive. I mean, I, I'm again with you. I, th- I think the walks could go up. Does strike out quite a, quite you know a lot. 155 Ks last year to 41 walks. Um, and then also the defense. I, I think one of the big factors is the war. Only a 3.6 baseball reference war on last season. If he's somewhere in that five war range, then you can have that discussion to be in your top five. But I think he's always been that guy that's always in that six or seven hole, just kind of squeaking in, hopefully looking into that top five. But in in the game today, I mean, that's why I kind of mentioned, I think we have a big four when it comes to shortstops, Correa, Turner, Seager, Lindor. It's kind of tough to get inside that top four, but guys like Franco, guys like Bichette, um, are, are guys that could easily be knocking on that door and getting into that top four for the shortstops. If one of these guys were to have a major fall off, um, or injuries were just to keep this guy out of the game, um, that covers shortstops, Alex, it's, it's a very exciting and fun spot and position in the game. Um, but I will say third base is just as exciting. Um, I, I will confidently it's, say Alex, it's my I, favorite. I, and I, again, I'm going to say, I think we have a strong five or at least a strong six. I think for, it's a six. Okay. At least we'll say strong six for third baseman. I'm, I'm more than confident. We'll have the same six guys, not in the order, but the same six guys in, uh, in, in this, in this top six for third baseman. I'll start off with it. Um, my number one third baseman right now, I believe it was still last year, but my number one guy is still J-Ram. Jose Ramirez is going to be the only guy that just provides insane offense, good defense, great base running, just all-around stuff. I really like what he brings to the field. He's number one. Number two, surprisingly, Manny Machado for me. Number three, Nolan Arenado. Number four, Rafael Devers. And number five I have is Austin Riley. Give me your five and we will discuss. You're giving me a, uh, a shot. I'm, I'm giving you the right I'm now. giving you the look, Travis. And that look, uh, I'll just get into my five and, and, and you'll, <laughs> see, you'll see what I'm talking about. So my number one, I have J-Ram. We agree. Number two, I have Manny Machado. We agree there. Three is someone who I thought would be lower it's Alex Bregman. I think Alex stab me in the heart. Yeah. I think Alex Bregman deserves to be a top three. We'll get into that in a minute. Fourth, I go to Arenado. Finally, five. I'm also surprised. I actually go Austin Riley. Wow. Okay. So I actually okay. go Austin Riley. So um, let's talk a bit about Alex Bregman because okay. he is someone who you do not have in the top five, Mm-mm. and I have him at third. So I think that <laughs> Bregman. Um, He's definitely one of the more unique players in baseball. And my, I, I guess at the plate, I should say, one of the most unique plate uh, presence in baseball. He is someone who definitely, I will not shy away from this at all, he's definitely benefiting from that Crawford box in left field. Mm-hmm. Travis, if you look at his spray chart on uh, Baseball Savant on StatCast, he has like two home runs to right field none to center and the, all the rest are just in the Crawford box or like off that wall right above the Crawford box. It's really funny how he is just all his, all his power comes from pull, but he can go the other way for doubles and things like that. But all the big power comes from pulling the ball. Yeah. 
One reason why I'm really high on Alex Bregman is I love the tools. He's really good at avoiding strikeouts. He makes great contact. On top of that, he's also really good at drawing walks. So I, whenever a player is really good at avoiding strikeouts and getting walks, it just tells me there's not really there's not really a flaw in their plate presence. And it just comes down to how good is their contact? Like how good is their quality of contact? I know you're not striking out. I know that you are walking a ton, but when you hit the ball, what happens? He still hits the ball very well. I think a lot of that is because of those Crawford boxes, but that's where he plays. And so I am expecting a big year from him. Uh, StatCast loved his defense this year, or I should say 2022, it loved his defense. Um, his expected WOBA, uh, the on-base average, is uh, very good, 85th percentile. So overall, Travis, I think he's pretty much a really good four-tool uh, third baseman. The speed is not amazing, but it's not it's not a detriment either. Um, overall, I'm just really high on Bregman. I think last year he kind of showed um, some flashes that he was still who he was. I mean, 13% walk rate last year, 11% strikeout rate. So, strike, so walking... A significant difference more than he's striking out, which I think is a pretty big deal. The average was a bit low last year. I think that swings back. I think it swings back closer to like a 270, maybe a 280, something like that. Um, I think overall he's ready to, you know, I I don't think he's going to return to like this, um, this 2019 version where he's like yeah. a second place MVP guy. But I do think that he, I mean, he had 5.5 fan graphs were last year and you could almost say he was a little bit uh, down offensively with, um, uh, you know, a 259 batting average, which is probably below his standards. Um, what was the home run numbers at 23 home runs, which was only the third best of his career. So I think that there's lots of room for growth. If he has a healthy season, which I hope that he does. Um, I guess give me so what so what's who is in your top oh Devers of course so Devers, Devers. is obviously going to be on my list here pretty soon yeah but um I guess give me your thoughts on Bregman and why you like your five better than him yeah I I mean uh, with J Ram we agree um, yes just with everything he brings I I you know surprisingly I was I was and I think you would have thought as well Arenado be number two and Machado be number three I have Machado too just because he is surprisingly folks he's on a contract year. Um, this could be his last year in San Diego if he wants to. I think it's a player option. Yes. So I like the fact that certain guys in contract years are going to have good seasons. Now, last year, Machado was the only guy in that lineup that stayed consistently healthy. So I think that's what really, I think that's really benefited him being the only guy producing. I think now with Bogarts, Tatis, um, and so many other guys in that lineup, the numbers may go down we'll see but i still like what he can bring that's why i have him number two but um to the question of bregman um devers uh i would say a disappointing season i mean i think we were all accustomed to having a little bit better um uh, offense from him um only you know 27 home runs i think he's a guy that can get up there towards the 40 home run uh you know totals he had 38 in 2021 was i think i mentioned it in 2021 he was in my opinion the best offensive third baseman in the game i still believe he is on that level he is um someone if you had to make a top offensive third baseman's he'd probably be in my top three easily um but i i, I still think he's a top five i i think there's still more to prove he did just get his contract um so we know that um, that's all taken care of. Maybe that's something that can kind of calm him down. And now that he can focus on just being a Boston Red Sox for the next, you know, 
decade this uh th- this 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 2022 kind of dry spell that he was on will will be will be pushed away but i don't know i i just i i think one bad year of devers and with bregman ever since 2020 or 2019 you know he is a good third baseman but he was not on that level he just definitely took a step back um the ops and ops plus numbers have definitely gone down um hitting wise devers is a better hitter than bregman bregman though of course being a excellent fielder and just an excellent you know all-around third baseman i uh, i can give props to that but i just think with devers what he provides i think his ceiling is much much higher than bregman right now and so that's why he's number four um it's funny that we just have this guy austin riley just kind of like keeping them both apart he's number five for both of us but um we can get into that as well but that that's my case for bregman i just don't um i don't see him on the level of austin riley and or devers for being in this top five just because i think devers is a stronger um offensive uh candidate than than what we've seen from bregman that's fair i think and then uh you mentioned riley i we'll we'll do let's do six through ten okay so i can just touch because devers is obviously in my six through ten yes um so i'll touch on him and then we can talk about riley a bit too so six through ten i have devers at six of course um, that's the big six we mentioned. Seven, I go to Matt Chapman. Eight, I go with Anthony Rendon. Ninth, I go with Max Muncy. Uh, we had some conversations about where he should put. We decided third base was a good spot. And tenth, I end up with Yandi Diaz. So that's my top ten. Who's Excellent. your six through ten? Very similar. Um, so six, that's where I have Bregman. Um, so easy top six for third baseman. Number seven, kind of switch some guys around. Number seven, I have Max Muncy. Um, very, very disappointing year last year, but I think we both can agree he'll have a better season this year. Um, Hope so, yeah. And uh, I think there was, of course, some uh, health coming off that broken, uh, that broken wrist. Right. I, I think that I don't know if it was a huge factor, but I just know that health was, I think, a little bit of a factor in Max yes. Muncy's game. Um, I, I anticipate on him making a, a big return. Also, again, another guy who's on a contract this next season. So he'll be uh, needing to make a big impact. Number eight, I actually also have Anthony Rendon. Um, I just think the big word with him is health. If he's healthy, he will be a very good third baseman for the Angels and for an MLB third baseman. So he's number eight. Number nine, I have Matt Chapman. Um, again, he's he's kind of an he's kind of an interesting third baseman because he's got just the absolute great fielding the war is always going to be very very good the hitting is always kind of hit and miss he's not going to be a great average or on base guy the slugging's always decent always can provide about 25 to 30 home runs a season so um i still think matt chapman though is a top 10 third baseman he's my number nine and number 10 alex i have someone that i i know you're a big fan of uh, but i have cabrian hayes Ooh. Um, so Cabrian Hayes, I will say, I like it. It's not a fun offensive bat to look at. I mean, 96 OPS plus career had an 87 OPS plus last season. That's, that's all below average and hitting. Um, I don't know what he really needs to work on at the plate, but I just think if he wants to become a all around great third baseman in this game, the, the, the approach to the plate will definitely have to be fixed, but the defense is elite. The war every season is very, very good. With just that hitting, 
he still posts a 4.3 war. It's kind of funny. You look at a guy like Bo Bichette, who has very good hitting numbers, but only can have a 3.8 war. A guy like a Brian Hayes will pass him up every year in war just because the defense shines so great with this guy. So he is my 10th guy at the third baseman spot. Definitely took a deep dive into Yandy Diaz as well. Um, he He's an excellent third baseman. Um, I, I think the only thing with me, Alex, with Yanni Diaz was that he, he this last season was his best season he's had in his career. He's also a guy that I think just plays all around and the Rays just use him in very funky spots. So again, I it's didn't fair. I don't know if I really wanted to have him be the third baseman just because it's it, again, some of these teams, they just I don't want to say they hurt their players chances of winning these kind of awards. But when you play all these different positions, when your team needs you, it, it makes it tough saying, okay, you are a definite third baseman or you're a definite first baseman. But um, Yanni Diaz had an excellent season last year, but I like Cabrian Hayes just from what he provides at the war consistently a great war performer in major league baseball. And I guess one of those, uh, few bright spots in that Pittsburgh Pirates uh, organization right now. So Yeah, I, I like your pick so much. I'm going to talk about Cabrian Hayes too because, <laughs> I, I, I like you said, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Um, you kind of mentioned that the hitting is not pretty, and I agree. It's been it's been the weakness for him, obviously, and that's such a big part of the game of baseball that it's something that he needs to address in order to get any higher on these lists. But in my opinion, Travis, I agree with what you said about his defense. It is truly elite. In my mind, it's kind of a... Uh, shame or a robbery that he has not gotten any gold glove love uh, the last couple of seasons. Obviously, he's competing with the likes of Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, lots of defensive third base talent in the National League these last few seasons. But I still think that he has earned um, the right to be on that level. And just because he's full, 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 and just because. One thing that's bad is the barrel rate, and that tells me one thing. Um, for folks that don't know, barrel rate is about hitting the ball hard and at a good launch angle that maximizes extra base hits and home runs. He's hitting the ball hard, so what's missing? The the launch angle is the problem, it seems like to me, because um, the barrel rate's so low. So My guess is he's hitting just way too many hard ground balls instead of um, more hard contact uh, in the air and getting more extra base hits because of it. Um, his slugging was very poor last year. 345 slugging is not what you want to see. He's not that bad at walking. His his walk uh, his walk percentage is about league average. He doesn't really chase balls in the dirt too much. He doesn't swing and miss too much. It's all about him hitting the ball on the ground too much, I believe. And then he strikes out about league average. So Overall, I think if he manages to tweak the swing, Travis, I think he can tap into some MVP caliber, not MVP maybe, but MVP vote getting kind of uh, seasons in his future. If he can just figure out the way to hit the ball at the right angle and just kind of tweak the swing in little ways because he has the pop in my opinion and the glove is superstar-esque. It's like Matt Chapman in my opinion. It's on this kind of special level. Speaking of Matt Chapman, I'll touch on him a bit too. Um, you had him what? Ninth, eighth. I had him. Let's see. I think I had him ninth. I ninth, think. yeah, ninth. So I had him seventh. We kind of are in overall a pretty much a, a solid agreement. He's a latter half third baseman, just because the defense is is almost like a a, a Hayes type, where it's it's going to be elite defense. The the hitting is better than Hayes, but it's not 
any level of these top six. Correct. And I think that he has the potential. He has the power to be like those other guys. Um, his swing and miss stuff has been the issue. He whiffs the ball a lot. He has a bad expected batting average, too many strikeouts. He walks a, 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 a pretty good amount, but the on base is still so low because the average is so low. He batted 229 last year. So um, not a lot of base hits. And then, uh, I would say a lot of too many swing and miss, but he's so when I say swing and miss, um, he's swinging and missing in the zone, but he's he's good at, at not chasing the ball out of the zone. So I like his eye. He just has trouble making contact. So if he could figure that out, I think he could have more, you know, all star games and, and MVP votes in his future. But he has still hit the ball incredibly hard, just not hitting it hard quite frequently enough. Um, who else deserves a talking about? You already said something about uh, Muncie, which I agreed with. I'm hoping for a Give nice... some words for my boy, Anthony Rendon. I like it, yeah. So <laughs> Rendon, Travis, is probably the hardest guy to rank on this list, even though we agreed where to put him. And I think, Travis, let's be honest for a quick minute here, probably a little bit of Angels bias, I think. Of course. Probably of course. a little bit of Angels bias from us. I think most people might not give him the benefit of the doubt on the injuries. Travis, I just have to believe that the injury stuff is a coincidence right i don't think he had like this really healthy first half of his career and then all of a sudden it's injury every year he's due for a healthy season at some point right he has to so in my opinion he is someone who i love his plate skills he walks uh, over 11 percent of the time he doesn't strike out too much at all so he's got a decent contact component to his game um, the pop obviously slipped since his Nationals era, but he definitely could get that back in my opinion. Uh, I think it really is going to come down to being out there every day, getting in a flow of things. Travis, we know when he's hot, he's still a very feared hitter. He gives good protection to Trout and Otani, guys like that. I think a right-handed bat in the middle of our order is still kind of something that we've been missing the last couple of years. Obviously, we addressed it with additions like Rendon and Drury and, and Urshela and things like that. But I still think that Rendon is such a key piece of what the Angels are trying to do. Um, but under 60 games played the last two years uh, is definitely a problem. Uh, I think that one healthy season could just change everyone's opinion, kind of remind everybody what he's capable of. Um, he's such he's 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 got a such such a unique skill set because he's got a pretty good eye, and also doesn't strike out too much. He makes pretty solid contact, almost like a similar skill set to Albert Pujols. I mean, I hate comparing people to Albert Pujols because he's such a special hitter. <laughs> yeah. But but when someone is able to both draw walks and also avoid strikeouts like Pujols, um, it's it's a certain type of hitter that I want to have on my team despite the injury concerns. So I'm hoping for a healthy year from him. Um, what what gives you the faith in Rendon to still have him in your top 10? Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking back, even the last, like, one, you know, season that he's played over you know 80 percent of his games was 2020 um i know looking back that's that sound that, that seems like a decade ago but um all the hitting stats aligned with what he did in 2019 so i know it's really not a fluke right um it's it's just a matter of him consistently going on the il losing his timing losing his kind of just his approach with all that then coming back and Maybe he rushed into it and he doesn't have his timing and then he looks awful. I just think the last couple of years, um, 2021 and 2022, have just been kind of washes for him where I can't blame the numbers too, too much. I know we saw him in games and it was just kind of like, oh, geez, like, who's this guy? Like, it just does not look comfortable with the plates and he's getting paid, what, $38 million. 
Um, it's, it's just not a good thing right now, but I just think a good, healthy spring training, a full season. I'm really anticipating. I really think, I mean, Alex, if I had to bet, he's going to, he's going to play more than 60 games this year. And I, I, I can, I can definitely think knocking on wood there, knocking on wood there, but I mean, it just seems like, uh, he's just, there, there's just too much. I, I think there's just too many, too much evidence, uh, saying that he's going to be a, a good hitter if he stays healthy in a season. So, um, I, I, I'm really high that he can at least produce a, a somewhat mild, maybe 2019 season, not, not having that kind of a career year, but maybe somewhere in that, you know, 850 to 900, 900 OPS range can be somewhere where he can be, um, I would you know, take that at, any day at, yeah. at the, at, at the end of this season. But again, it just comes down to doing the things that he can to keep himself on the field because that's just been the biggest problem. I mean, that's the one thing that I look back at his last two years. It's just all about health. I mean, I think what it's been only 105 games over the last two years he's played. So you're looking at almost like 50 games a season. So, um, and in those seasons, you know, he's, he's playing for 30 games and then he is going on the IL and then he's kind of coming back and then things just aren't going great as he comes back. And so you can't really blame him for that because his timing's all off. Um, confidence then goes down the drain. It's, it's, it's just kind of all, it, it's a domino effect for the last couple of seasons with the injury. So staying healthy, getting off to the right footsteps. I, I think that, that that'll be just fine for him. So he's still in my mind is still top 10 third baseman. Yeah, it, you mentioned the confidence component with the injury stuff, and that's a big thing. Because I remember last year he like came back from injury, and his first game back was against like the Dodgers, and he made a bad throw because he felt like a tweak in his arm, and like yeah. that just like it must just destroy you, like to tell the coach like, oh, I got to come out, and like you know, yeah. After I just came off IL, I got to go back on the IL, and also I need surgery, and and and, and the one good thing that I think the thing the, I think if not for this, he might not be on our list. He did come back and play baseball in the last week of the season that just lets us know that he uh had a healthy offseason he did not have to rehab this offseason yes he was having a normal healthy offseason with you know probably bp and other types of training so and I, he did serve his five game suspension thank god so that will be off the plate for this next coming season hopefully he gets opportunities to push winker in the face in the future but um, <laughs> too bad he's ball, uh, milwaukee but hey we play everybody this year so that's right baby uh so i i i we both still have some faith in rendon um the ceiling is too high for him to be off this list for us it seems um last note on third baseman travis i wanted to touch on that really quickly i have such a hard time uh determining what is the differences between Austin Riley and Rafael Devers. If you look at their <laughs> offensive profiles, Travis, um, especially on StatCast, it's just so incredibly similar. Um, they both have some of the best like raw power in baseball. They both, when they hit the ball, they are able to absolutely crush it in terms of the exit velocity numbers. Um, one thing that uh, Devers does a bit better is make contact or at least I should say avoid strikeouts Devers is better at avoiding strikeouts the strikeout percentage is worse for Riley um, one thing Riley does better um, is barrel the ball a little bit more uh, Austin Riley is top 5% in MLB for barreling the ball so these guys just absolutely crush the ball most of the time both are also pretty poor defenders so that's another, another similarity and honestly one of the only other differences I can find is that Riley is an above average runner whereas Devers is actually very poor at running so overall they're such similar players I have a really hard time separating them 
and it really came down to the fact that one of the only differences in their profiles on StatCast is that Riley's faster. And that honestly <laughs> like was part of an, me giving him an edge. Yeah. But um, Travis, overall, those two guys, I both are still pretty young. 26 is Devers and Riley is 25. Riley's younger. Yeah. That's surprising. But yeah. but I thought Riley would be a year older. But um, those guys, it'd be fun to kind of track them going forwards. I hope that it may be fun if I kind of saw them as like, um, following the same kind of trajectory because their pages on baseball savant are so similar, but we'll see how they end up this year. I gave a uh, rally the slight edge, but I understand why someone would have Devers higher Devers. It feels like his ceiling is like, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball perhaps. So I do understand that completely, but, um, yeah. And one, and one of them is on an absolute steal of a contract. One of them is yes. Donating his money to the Alex Anthopoulos fund for, you know, whatever's going on there in Atlanta. But, um, yeah, I think both Devers and Riley have super similar profiles. I mean, if you look at their projections, this is the steamer projections this is fan graphs projections for Devers and Riley next season. It projects Devers 277 average Riley 272 on base four. Or sorry, 345 for Devers, 341 for Riley. Slugging 509 for Devers, 507 for Riley. So just like just single digits apart on all those numbers. So and the defense is about the same. So um I I think honestly, flip a coin, in my yeah. opinion. Who's yeah. gonna be better next year? If you have if you're in fantasy and you have to choose one, flip a coin. I, I can't tell the difference between these two guys. Maybe I mean and they both don't steal bags either. So it, I don't even know. I don't yeah, even know what yeah. those two. Maybe Riley gets more opportunities with guys on base with his with his lineup around him. That's a good point. Devers cuz I know we we don't really know what we're going to see from the Red Sox, but um you're right. It, it's 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 almost like that Arenado Machado um you know discussions we've had over the last couple of months yes. especially with the Sim- all MLB teams. It was the hitting was was identical almost. So that wraps it up, doesn't it? That pretty much wraps up the four positions. Yeah. So I, 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 I think we really sped through them this time, which is nice. And, and a lot of similarities, I feel like, from the pitchings and the, uh, at least from the starting pitching, relief pitchers and catchers, I think we had a lot of differences this time. It just got a little more narrowed down to, uh, to what we can offer. I, and then next week, offering up the outfield positions, left, right, center, and also DH. So that'll be really fun to, uh, to categorize those kind of players and because the, the, the town in MLB outfield is, is through the roof. But I, I was going to suggest to you, maybe we should do like a utility top 10. And then I realized like everyone's a little bit of a utility guy. Like yeah, it, it's, I know. It, it would it be sucks. way, too, it it'd sucks, be way yeah. too hard. And, and that's just okay. Like there's guys like DJ LeMahieu where we talked about him last night. He's going to play third and second and first next year. At some yes. point, I'm almost positive. Maybe some DH too. It's like, where do I rank? Where, what position do I, Call, call him because he's like he's borderline top 10 in like maybe second base and third base but probably not first but it is really kind of tough to place a guy like that but it is it and is. then you mentioned brandon donovan or what's it, brandon donovan, yeah, brandon I, donovan I, yeah. I i did not rank him at all because i just didn't know where to put him i just didn't even i had no he's he's truly a, a jack of all trades yeah, it seems yeah. so. so certain teams will only rock and roll with the middle infield of like utility guys or just a full infield right. of utility guys and they're just kind of going to go along with that much like the angels brandon drew Gio Urshela, 
Urshel's going to play some third. He's going to play some short. He's going to play some first. Drew is going to play all over, all over the diamond. David Fletcher is going to play all over the diamond. So, um, which again, I, I, I'm interested to see how that strategy works. I, I like it because you're getting guys that are, um, you know, flexible with working different Options. positions. And so, um, it'll be fun, but yeah, I, I know I, I def, I think we're, we're getting into that, like age now where even like with the silver slugger, there's a utility silver slugger. Is there a utility gold glove? I I want to say there is. There has to be, right? Or at least with silver sluggers. But even if there's not, there probably will be. And th that's now kind of a position that is, is going to be beneficial for certain guys because we saw Max Muncy so many years. I think it was 2021, Alex. I think he was, what, top 10 in MVP that season. And it's like he played second base, some first base, and also some third base. So yeah. it was just kind of like, wh where do we rank him in these top 10s or in these top for every position? So um it, it it gets frustrating on that end so or when we did every every month we ranked our all mlb team it's like max muncie's our every month is our honorable mention because we don't have a spot for him because he plays every position so um but yeah that that wraps up the positions it's uh it's a fun and it's a young league right now alex that's what's really cool about it a lot of these guys are all just kind of newcomers i mean over the last you know three four years most of these guys on these lists are the ones that are making the impacts right now so um it's it's really cool to see but outfield will be also very young as well so it, it, it'll be too, it'll be awesome too many young names i can't wait to get into it next week travis i'm trying to think of what else is going on in the baseball world i mean pitchers and catchers they're there travis we we see on twitter you know otani is throwing bullpens already uh we're seeing the different catchers i i see uh angels like top three prospect edgar cuero catching bullpens for you know patrick sandoval whoever it is yeah. you know it's just crazy that you know we're already here it's already time um in the coming weeks we'll have more i'm sure world baseball classic updates some spring training updates but yeah next episode is going to be all about the uh top 10 outfielders at every position and dh so uh, make sure you tune in for that travis that pretty much does it for this episode so we'll go ahead and wrap things up. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. Please, you know, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>